We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the April 20th edition of the World War NFL podcast brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. It's Joe Bartle and Jim Coventry. Obviously not Wednesday. We got the Thursday edition, a nice little flipperoo with Mario Puig and John McKechnie. Hopefully John's enjoying a bit of that vacation prior to the NFL draft, which is now officially seven days away. We are going to be recapping more of uh, Jim's tweets, at least when it comes to NFL team needs and kind of rounding out entering next week when we'll have our uh, prop bet special and a few more of these as well, too. So stick around. Uh, happy to get the show underway. Happy to talk a little bit more about this upcoming NFL draft again, seven days away. You heard it. That's the music. Welcome to the April 20th edition of the World Aware NFL podcast brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. I'm Joe Bartle. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. More importantly, I'm alongside Jim Coventry, and we're going over Jim's uh, NFL team needs that he's been posting on Twitter one every day. You can follow that at Jim Coventry NFL right now. Uh, we've talked about a few of them last week, so this is kind of like a part two edition possibly gonna have a part three edition by the end of this show because of course you and i jim get a little bit long-winded but i'm happy to dive into this with you with the dallas cowboys who um you had mentioned a couple of different needs but one of which didn't really address the running back and i think that's kind of surprising for a lot of people because they released ezekiel elliott i know they signed ronald jones but uh it's tony pollard's show and we talked about a couple podcasts ago how high his adp was going right now with the news that zeke was gone and it seems likely not back. I would I would anticipate that's not going to be the case, although he also said he was going to sign with a team two weeks ago, and that yet has not happened. So we'll, we'll kind of see. I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if there not was a reunion sports for Zeke coming back not to the Cowboys or if they add an additional veteran running back. But with how deep this class is at running back, I thought for sure the Cowboys would get a cheap body in the second or third round. You're kind of disagreeing with that assessment, though. They can go running back, and I do have a couple players like projected that they could select. But look, they've been they were kind of burned by Zeke in some ways. Mm. Obviously, they didn't win a Super Bowl, they invested a high pick in him, then they paid the ridiculous contract, and now they got out of the contract. But it, it was painful, so you would almost think now Jerry's Jerry Jones could be a stubborn guy, right? But I have to think. How much do they want to invest in running back? And my answer is they're investing in Tony Pollard right now. Right. And, and he's young. And he look, he's not a workhorse guy. But we understand if you have one guy and you have some depth in the NFL, that's pretty good. I do think there's a good chance Zeke ends up back there. Teams are not going to be running the lineup to sign Zeke. Zeke probably, I mean, look, he made his money there. Would have liked to have seen more of it. He has to know he's on the back nine. I could see very easily him coming back and remit and being a clear number two. And, you know, grinding out some inside carries, getting some goal line work, certainly there. But if they're going to invest in a back, they're going to want a rugged interior runner who could catch the ball. Now, in the fourth round, and it's a player I don't like. I could see them if he makes it. Draft buzz is really going high on Roshan Johnson. Mm, but yeah. if we critically look at this guy, he's a fourth-round guy. And if he's there, I could see Dallas taking him and being disappointed. I could also see them looking at Kendra Miller, 
Those are a couple guys. Yeah, that's I, the one I was thinking of too. And it's it's funny. Like I, I talk about how deep this class is, and I'm I'm really getting. I'm like putting my teeth into the draft class now. I know you've been doing it for a couple of weeks and certainly John Amari have too. Uh, but I like the running back class. There really isn't a lot of guys that you're like, oh yeah, for sure. They're going to be first and second down uh, ball carries, a lot of bulky dudes that can handle that Ezekiel Elliott role. It's a lot of the multidimensional, oh, they're really athletic in short areas or short fields, uh, short spurts kind of deal. And that's that's what Tony Pollard is. I mean, that, that they are the Cowboys already have that running back, and there's far fewer of the the burgeoning Damian Harris level draft prospects, which is the role that the Cowboys would fill. And and that's where I go back to maybe it isn't Zeke. I don't know if it's Ronald Jones. I mean, like as, as cheap of a deal Ronald Jones was, you could argue they could have three or four of those guys fill that Zeke role with how important it is. I wouldn't be surprised. I guess I just wouldn't be surprised if Zeke does make a comeback, knowing the the Cowboys system, uh, having some relevance in that. And he seems to be a locker room favorite, if nothing else. 100%. So I'm not going to expound more because I brought it up, you brought it up. And yes, the locker room presence and loved by the team. And if he doesn't have any takers, he wants to play. Zeke does not want to hang it up. Dallas would give him probably a fair offer. It's not going to be a ton of money. I'm sure it would be a fair offer, and I'm sure he would take it. Ronald Jones, look, he had every opportunity to do something with Kansas City. They have a great line. They never face bodies in the box. And if he couldn't do anything with the opportunity to try to give him a camp last year, my guess is he probably doesn't have a lot to offer. He's a body. and. Yeah. You know, no offense to Ronald Jones, million times better than me as a football player. But again, I just don't see this working out. When I mentioned guys like Kendra Miller, I think if they're going to go that round, he would be the one. I mentioned Roshan Johnson. I think Dallas would consider him. I don't like him. He tries to push too much to the corner store. That's not going to work in the NFL. He, you know, look, he does things well, force missed tackles. He uses power to break some tackles. He also has good contact balance. But when he changes direction, he loses some speed. His cuts too rounded. So it's for me, and his oh, his testing, his explosiveness yeah. testing was the 48th. I knew the speed. Look, at six foot two nineteen, your speed's probably not going to be great right. unless you're an outlier. But when his explosiveness testing was 48th percentile, that scared me off, and it kind of meshed with his losing speed and change of directions and all that. So, again, I think they could consider him. I hope they don't. Somebody's going to take Roshan Johnson, and I think they're going to be disappointed. But it's Kendra Miller. This guy, he explodes when he mm-hmm. changes directions, how to cuts. His size allows him to do well in traffic. He has vision, and he can read the defenders and set them up. Negatives, a little bit slow on his inside runs. You know, although he's big, sometimes he tries to get a little too cute and evasive. Too much start and stop. There's only one Le'Veon Bell in this world. And he's not a factor in the passing game. But I think he is the one that if they bring him in as a compliment to Pollard, I think they'd be happy with him. Um, we had talked a little bit about Dalton Schultz last week, obviously joining the Texans. I don't I don't think the loss of Schultz is going to make a difference from, from the offense perspective. They have Jake Ferguson, but also uh, Peyton Hendershot, too, who was getting playing time towards the end of the season. This is a higher tight end class than most. We also know rookie tight ends typically do not make a significant impact. And where the Cowboys are and where the NFC is, they might want a more immediate impact. I don't think taking a tight end in the first round makes a lot of sense, although I've seen it widely projected. And I yes. get the loss of Dalton Schultz. I'm not I'm not convinced that's going to be um, a, a choice for them in the first round or even the second round, given where the second round pick lies. You also were not thinking tight end was a high premium selection for them either, at least based off of your draft list. No, since Jason Witten left, I mean, Dalton Schultz was hardly an investment in tight end. He's, like I said, he's a catch and fall guy, big mm-hmm. deal. And he's easily replaced. Jake Ferguson, in my opinion, be a much better. He's explosive, much better. But that said, it seems like everybody is mocking Michael Mayer to them. It's like 60 to 70% of the mocks I see. I don't know if there's something out there that, that was leaked and I didn't get it and that people know something, but. That's a lot of people I'm seeing mocking. That's one specific player to them. So I wonder if that's a case of, like I said, there may be some smoke, there may be some fire. I wouldn't personally do it. They have a lot more pressing needs. And like you said, tight end development, you know, I I just don't think Mayer's that guy that day one is going to be what they need. But if they use him as a blocker, it might not matter. And maybe if they use Ferguson as a receiver. But I think that'd be a waste of draft capital. But if they go that route, 
I certainly can understand. It's funny. Um, a lot of the the Michael Mayer conversation is he's the most pro ready tight end since <laughs> yada yada. Every time I think he's the most pro ready tight end since my mind goes to OJ Howard. Maybe I'm not sure you jumped to that conclusion, Jim, but we all know how OJ Howard developed and he was supposed to be the most pro ready tight end there was. And uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, I'm concerned we're going to talk about the Packers in a little bit. Uh, tight end is a need of theirs. I will be equally frustrated if the Packers take a tight end in the first round. And uh, uh, that makes me a little bit worried, you know, with all the skill position guys, the Packers take not many, uh, that they would go tight end would, would be a concern for me. So, Joe- Look, yeah, like, I don't think OJ Howard is still pro ready. Oh, yet. Right. Awesome? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the he's, he's seven years, four or five different teams. If you want to include the Bills stint. Yes, I would. Uh, I would completely agree with you. I really think the Cowboys stick with the hog mollies up front. Really what made them be as successful was that offensive line. I think they can improve parts of that, improve like the interior defensive line as well, too. I know they have pass rushers galore, but you can never have enough. And then that's where, especially in the front end of the draft, I think that's the the value where you, you get these pass rushers, these athletic guys, these edge guys, or just, you know, big bodies up front. You can never have enough. And when I think the skill position spot is lacking, like what I think, I, what I think it is at wide receiver, but certainly running back too. And um, you don't want to invest the draft capital that you would at tight end. That's just the default. It's offensive line or, or the front seven, specifically the front three or four, right? Yeah, no, totally right. Totally right. And, um, you know, my mind is kind of wandering for a minute as I'm thinking about Dallas. Well, me because I was long, a long-winded question. No, I was just as you're mentioning things with Dallas, I'm trying to think of the entirety of their team and trying to take some things in. And so they, they do need, like, all right, at linebacker, we got Leighton Van Der Esch, and he's been mm-hmm. decent against the run. But aside from Micah Parsons, and you want to call him a linebacker, I just call him that you know an ace joker. You move him wherever you want, and you get, but they do need help there. That defensive line, Demarcus Lawrence, is still effective as a pass rusher, but yeah, overall, they do need to address that front seven. They really do. They need to make some investments there. And I would be spent now, they don't have they have exactly one pick in each of the first five rounds, right? So they don't have a lot of ammunition, but I really think they should spend two of those five picks on that front seven if they can. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, let's turn our attention to the Broncos. And and for most of these teams that don't have first-round picks, not a lot of capital in, in day two as well, I've just been steering clear because, you know, like the Dolphins, for example, I don't, I don't know what you're going to talk about that, or the Rams uh, as well, too, when they're really struggling to find enough picks to fill their rosters in that in that regard. The Broncos are a little bit different. And it, it's intriguing because of the Sean Payton factor. Like if we were just to run things back with Nathaniel Hackett, you'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, a lot of disappointing stuff. Peyton changes a lot of elements for the Broncos, and maybe they don't have a first-round pick and it doesn't make things as relevant. But, for example, Javante Williams is already projected to not be available for for the start of the season. We did that song and dance with J.K. Dobbins, and then ultimately he didn't play for four weeks for the Ravens. The Broncos are already saying Javante will not play. Like They're not projecting to be available. They signed Samaj P. Ryan, who I think is actually a really interesting sign, and we talked about that a couple past podcasts ago. Um do you feel like they could take an early day three running back and he could have some fancy viability this season? It would be a short term focus move. And I don't think they have the draft capital to do that. They have to expect, all right, Javante Williams is not ready now. Mm-hmm. They have to expect that he will be back at some point, but sure. I think it'd be difficult to invest. Even if he was ready next year, now you got a problem because if you have, you know, Javante Williams, you got to play him. And so I think I think investing higher than a fifth round pick, they have other needs. Now they don't have a second round pick either, Joe. Right. They got they got two thirds, sixty seven and sixty. So they're borderline second round there, mm-hmm. which that that certainly helps them a bit. And you know, realistically, defensively, they do need an edge presence. Last year they got a lot out of Baron Browning for a while. They he was like playing great and then he just kind of like fell back down to earth pretty quickly and they traded Bradley Chubb away and then with the edge they need linebacker help really the defense this is where they need up defensive line those are the big needs but do they really do they want to start with only two third round picks they really can't find themselves in a position right. to deal with the Russell Wilson thing that's that's too late there's gonna be yeah, nobody and I, there and, and you can you really get an impact defensive guy from an edge rushing perspective in the third round, especially as I'm saying, hey, first round, second round, it's going to be those guys because there isn't as value in the skill. Like I, it, They're in a tough spot given their needs. And like I mentioned in the rundown, 
no Azir Ojibaro. Like the, the, the defensive coordinator made yes. that defense as effective as he was, and now he's gone. Uh, there's going to be a significant drop, I think, from a defensive perspective, no matter how much I think Patrick Sertan is the next coming of Patrick Sertan, right? Like uh, of, uh, of of the uh, good cornerbacks, right? So I'm I'm concerned. I think there's going to be a significant drop off, and there isn't any way for the Broncos to really address that or uh, replenish it in a significant manner. I mean, that's the part of getting Sean Payton, Russell Wilson, is that you are giving up premium ways to fix that roster right now. So, as we said, defense they're needed, but we said where they're picking. Linebackers fall because it's not an inside linebackers. Not, it's not a valued position. Alex Singleton's excellent, all right? Josie Jewell's mm-hmm. adequate. But they need rotation. They need more bodies there. And you said you're correct. At the edge, you're, but you're going to have to gamble at some point. There are edge rushers who are selected in the third round who pan out. Uh, and so – you know the the drill though. When you're picking at that point, there's so much risk. First round, it's 50 50. Is a guy a bust or a hit? And then each round, obviously, exponentially drops further. So I do think they should take a a, a dart throw at an edge rusher in the third round, knowing it any position may not work so much. But they're going to struggle up front this year with personnel. They have yeah. to get bodies and. Even if you get bodies for rotational purposes, it does allow the other players that opportunity to get some rest because usually those players gassed. Not a mm-hmm. lot of front-line players are playing 80% of the snaps. That's rare. You don't get the Miles Garrett's of the world too frequently playing that frequently. Yeah, and it's the altitude part from, from Denver as well, too, that you have to factor in. Um, I also wrote down, and, and maybe we can disagree on this, which is fun, we had all these rumors over the past couple weeks and months that, oh, Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton, man, the Broncos really considering trading them. Oh, they're they're looking around. And obviously that got squashed by Sean Payton, which I think to be truthful. Like I, Sean has a reputation. He's got to defend. He's going to have to rehabilitate Russell Wilson. Maybe he can, maybe he can't. But the best way to do that and the best way to protect your ego and reputation is to have really good receivers. Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton are really good receivers. You're not going to get rid of them, uh, especially joining in. This first season, I would not be surprised at all if uh, one of those third round selections you mentioned does go to wide receiver in the event that they plan on on trading Judy or Cortland Sutton midseason. Like I know Tim Patrick is Tim Patrick and they like him a lot. Boy, we hear a lot of hype about Tim Patrick. Um, and there is KJ Hamler as well, too. I, I wouldn't be surprised like that feels like the value from a third round pick that will make an impact given how this draft class is shaping out. Wide receiver might be available early third round that they could kind of capitalize on that. You know, Tim Patrick is an excellent player coming off injury. Apparently he's fully healthy right now. They love him organizationally. And to speak to the beginning, yeah, they talked about trade. And now, like I said, Sean Payton, you know, kind of threw the kibosh on that. I'm not sure where they're at. I'm sure what Sean Payton did was he studied the heck out of Russell Wilson film, A, to find out what he believed he can't do and what he can do. If there are things that Payton believes he can't do and there's a receiver that's redundant with that, trading him would be best because Wilson right now, how long is he around? A couple of years? They're stuck with him for a while. If Payton thinks he can, you know, figure him out, well, then – Maybe he thought maybe Judy's name is thrown out there because we saw that Russell Wilson struggles to throw over the middle. That's his weak spot. Jerry Judy can line up outside, but he seems like he's a better fit for a guy that ends up going over the middle, moving him to the slot frequently. It might not work. Russell Wilson, when it works well, can throw downfield. If that's the case, Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick are better stylistic fits with him. And so that's where the quagmire comes in. And I think that's why Judy's name was thrown up. I don't, I thought last year Judy wasn't a stylistic fit with Wilson. Yeah. And you're, you're right about that. Certainly. Uh, there's also the contract extension looming for a guy like Jerry Judy, CD Lamb was in that same draft class, Justin Jefferson as well too. Obviously both the latter will get significantly more money than Judy has at this point in his career, but it's not as if Judy hasn't done well, he just hasn't done as well as CeeDee Lamb and Justin Jefferson and, uh, you know, even Brandon Ayuk to that extent as well, too, in, in right. that draft class. It'll be really interesting to see what the Broncos choose to do. I would not be getting surprised at all if one of those third-round picks, depending on how the board plays out, is devoted to that wide receiver position. We've had a lot of interesting news over the past couple of days, specifically about the Texans. Supposedly, they're not interested in the quarterback. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we are we are knee deep in the smokescreen season. I, I have no clue what the Texans 
want to do other than I'm being told a lot of things that they're considering. And that makes sense because with the number one pick more or less resolved to be Bryce Young, that kind of was uh, leaked over the, over the weekend into Friday, the Texans have a lot of options. And I think they might have wanted Bryce Young, but if that was the prevailing thought, he will no longer be there at two. And they don't like Stroud and they don't like Will Levis. And they don't like Anthony Richardson. Well, yeah, there, there's a lot of value to had with the number two pick. And if you can extract a lot out of the Colts, okay, it makes sense. Or the Raiders at number seven. We'll talk about them a little bit later in the show too. Do you believe the Texans truly do not want a quarterback from this class? So the first thing I always say, you said smoke screen, I call it poker season. Mm. And that's what it is. This is high poker, high level poker. They teams are throwing stuff out there, trying to create narratives, trying to create markets. That is common. I don't know what the Texans really intend. I don't know what is poker and I don't know what is reality. Mm-hmm. Now I know they don't like Lovey Smith. I'll tell you that <laughs> yeah. because they had yeah. that number one pick, but he had to go and spoil it by winning that week. 18 game thought that was beautiful. Um, They would have had who they wanted that said. So from an organizational standpoint, they obviously have scouted these quarterbacks. And if the truth of the reality is that they don't think Bryce young, Anthony Richardson or Will Levis can be the guy to move them forward. CJ Stroud. Yeah. CJ Stroud. I'm sorry. Did I say CJ Beathard? No, you said Bryce young, which I think they did want. I think they did. I know Bryce young is a guy who can move them forward. And I don't think they're going to get that. (laughs) I'm glad I didn't say C.J. Beathard. Let's just say that. (laughs) Anyway, so yes, I think organizationally, if they've decided these are not our guys, then they owe it to let another team trade up for that pick because there will be a market. There are teams that want that pick, and so they can get more capital out of it. I doubt the Texans are going to be very good this year either, and if they don't get a quarterback – double down on that. And so they would be in position again to roll in the next year's class. They do have that luxury. A lot of teams don't. A lot of teams is like, well, we'll be better. So we won't be in this position again. That's not going to be the case here. So it really is what they're scouting on the quarterbacks is. So they don't have to make a reach if they don't want to, they could, they could table it one more year. Yeah. My only concern with that is if, if we are all in love with Caleb Williams, right. Former, uh, I guess, current Heisman trophy winner, and he seems to be the next Trevor Lawrence, the next can't miss prospect. How many times realistically has the quarterback that was presumed to be number one overall the following draft actually made it to that point? Like I I remember, and we've done you and I have been doing this a number of years, but I've really been doing the draft stuff a number of years, specifically with Mario and John over the course of my Rotowire tenure. I remember when Brock Purdy was a guaranteed first round pick, or at least in conversation, like you're doing these Debbie League things. It's like Brock Purdy's gonna be there. Uh, and he was he was Mr. Irrelevant, right? And now he's relevant because he's in a good spot and he's not that bad of a quarterback. But it changes so often what our perceived value of these rookie quarterbacks are going to be. And you look no further than this receiver class when we had Jordan Addison and Jackson Smith, the Jigba, like they were guaranteed prospects and they were setting the rookie records. And then Jackson Smith, the Jigba really doesn't play this year. And Jordan Addison gets hurt. And now you have Jordan Addison falling down three, four in, in this receiver class. And is Smith and Jigba actually worth a top 15 pick? You were never having these conversations last year or the year before. I, I get really, really worried when you as an organization have decided, oh yeah, we are going to go ahead and punt the following year for a quarterback. And it seems like the Rams and Cardinals are doing the same thing. You can do that with a Wembenyana in NBA. Like that, that's fine. That makes sense. When it's five people on the floor uh, playing, you, you can't really get away with that. So many things change in the college football landscape. It makes me really worried to say, oh yeah, uh, we as an organization have identified none of these quarterbacks are all that good. We're going to go ahead and roll the dice that we can get to Caleb Williams. Man, I'm I'm nervous for Texans fans if that is the true choice they're making. And I again, I have no idea what their inner workings are. This has not been the sharpest franchise in the world. No, you know, I mean, they have signed on the especially the defensive side of the ball over the last few years a lot of these veterans who are stopgap players, and you know, there's never been a full investment to try to grow this team. And I don't really, they seem like a rudderless ship, but so I could totally see them punting and saying, we'll try our luck next year, but just throw the dart, really just throw the dart, take your chance and go. Stroud is good enough for a dart throw. Like I I would get it if you're a little queasy on Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, but, but Stroud is there. Like you have the number two pick. 
I, I think you should. Um, it's a question of if they will or not. It'll make things more exciting for us. You know, when, when we're talking about the NFL draft and you're doing the live show, what's going to happen number two is going to be a very relevant question. I think minutes up to when they actually make that pick or trade it away. We'll have to see. The Texans are one of a number of teams who have multiple first round picks. And there actually is a little bit more interest, I think, in that spot from a fancy angle. They could go a number of different directions. Do you feel like the Texans will kind of build in the trenches, either defensive line for their rookie head coach, D'Amico Ryans, or do they make a flashier pick at wide receiver? They trade away Brandon Cooks. We don't know really what John Mechie is going to look like. Of course, missed his whole uh, rookie season with that uh, leukemia diagnosis. They have Nico Collins. Not sure that's necessarily a building spot anyway, and that could be a Jackson Smith and Jigba landing spot where the Texans have their second first-round pick. How do you feel like that's going to go for the Texans? Yeah, again, a rudderless ship, so it's hard to project, but what I'm thinking they, they do need an edge rusher. An mm-hmm. edge rusher would be really helpful in building a defense. And those core positions, right? Offensive tackle, they're kind of set a tackle. They're in a good spot there. We have cornerbacks. They're okay there. And they made the draft pick Stingley, I believe, and he didn't yep. really play well. But the obviously he still could you know, make a jump, so they got to give that time. And then that leaves edge. So those are kind of the places to go. I agree with you. They do need wide receiver help. I do like Nico Collins. He began to show some flashes last year. And – he, there is some ability there to see him with a real quarterback could be helpful. I know he can win on the boundary. I know he's very good 50-50 balls in the red zone. So there's something to work on. They just haven't had an opportunity to do much with him, and he's been hurt too much. So there's certainly no guarantees there. So you're on the right path for sure when you're talking about they have no really known commodity there, and it's opportunity. So, yes, they do need somebody higher profile. And – I think what they need is they need um, either that dominant slot, and that would be Jeff Jackson, Smith, mm-hmm. and Jigba. I really think they need a true exorcist, that one who can sure. line up, uh, cross on the opposite side from the tight end, on the line of scrimmage, take on press man. To me, that's Quentin Johnson. Johnson, And um, I do like him a good deal. If you're going to the X receiver, he's the guy with the size in this class. Right. And he, you know, so if you're looking that route, that's what you, the way you want to go. Now, the fact they need slot help too. the NFL today with the zone defenses, the slot is really important. So either one of those, depending on which way they go, would be a smart way to move. Yeah, you think about who was their most successful fantasy ads uh, last year was Damian Pierce for a while, correct? Chris Moore. Right. And, and now it's Chris Moore who got signed like a junk one year deal with the, t- the Titans uh, to, to do that same thing. Like if you were to say, oh, we want to make this class look good, like we we really want to build on this. The offense, at least from last year, was able to make the slot receiver be an effective asset. Uh, and, and if you can make a guy like Chris Moore be fantasy relevant, I wonder if a Jackson Smith and a Jigba, even if you have David Mills or whoever else at quarterback next year, that was okay. Uh, and, and, and I think you're betting on talent, which when you are a rudderless, rudderless ship like the Texans are, and you mentioned, talent tends to win out, or at least that, that's the better thing, right? That, that you're betting on talent. So um, I want to take a break because after this, we have to talk to my Packers and I need uh, calm and collected and a lot of deep breathing to uh, dive into what this Packers draft is going to look like. Cause I'll tell you right now, Jim, I'm, I'm not super excited uh, for what that's going to come. So let's get a word from our sponsors here. Uh, underdog the 2022 nfl season is obviously over but fantasy football season never stops at underdog fantasy the easiest place to play fantasy football right now you can draft in underdogs the big board tournament with 1 million in total prizes and 200,000 given to first place think you know which incoming rookies will burst onto the scene in 2023 well if so now is your draft dra- chance to draft them at value all you have to do is join the big board draft your fantasy team and that's it if best ball or in best ball there's no waivers no trades and you get the best scores in your starting lineup each week of the season Whoever has the highest score at the end of the season wins. Just head to underdogfantasy.com, the App Store, or Google Play Store. Sign up with the promo code RWNFL, and not only will you get your first deposit doubled up to $100, but you'll also get hooked up with a free six-month Rotowire subscription to everything Rotowire has to offer. Again, for free, that's Underdog Fantasy promo code RWNFL. Jim, we're also in baseball season right now. That's that's where the value can also lie in this free six-month subscription. Yeah, you'll never hear me short change the the beautiful talent we have on the rotowire roster for baseball if you are a fantasy baseball player there is no better service on the planet we know your drafts are done you're in season you've been going a few weeks now but in season management those prospects we have all these great fantasy minds at your disposal 
definitely give it a shot when you're taking advantage of that underdog promo. And like Joe says, get you into football season two. So you'll get us as well. Bonus there. And um, if you're already in with underdog and you can't utilize the promotion, you just go to roadwire.com slash pod. And we'll get you set up there. Yeah. Um, again, RWNFL gets you that deposit doubled up to $100 for underdog and also that free six month subscription talking at mid end of October, right? Yes. At that point when it's done, you're, you're uh, maybe thinking about your Turkey day plans and what those drafts are going to look like. If you're doing just the Thanksgiving ones overall, we have tons and tons of draft coverage already up on the site. Jim's been doing uh, the daily tweets, daily tweets about different draft values. He has a written one for it. You have draft props already up on the site as well, too. We're going to have much more of that next week. There's a lot of specific draft coverage that's going to be coming. Uh, if nothing else, you can get the uh, rotowire.com slash pod to get a free trial and see some of that draft coverage. And if you like what you see, dive into the subscription part of things. So uh, lots to check out on rotowire.com. Again, promo code RWNFL for underdog fantasy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. <sighs> big breath. I'm doing the big breath, Jim. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get myself mentally ready to discuss something that is going to disgust me, and that is going to be the Packers' plans. We still have Aaron Rodgers technically on yeah. the Packers' roster. Uh, that's great. We have the consistently, reliably. Not drafting skill guys. Uh, that seems to be Brian Gutenkunst's specialist, the general manager for the Packers. And yet many skill positions of need for the Packers. Uh, we talked about the Cowboys drafting a tight end. There's been a lot of mocks about the Packers drafting one too. And again, this is, this is a deep class. I'm not trying to argue that. But if that's going to be the skill position the Packers invest in, I'm going to just close my eyes and uh, find a nice beverage or two for the next two or three days because that Packers draft is already going to be a failure in my mind. The return of investment on first-round picks at tight ends just hasn't been there. And it hasn't been there for decades. Not decade, but I guess multiple years at this point. Uh, I'm very concerned that there seems to be a wide-held belief that Michael Mayer will go to the Packers, if not uh, Kinsade, Dalton Kinsade, or Darnell Washington. We know that uh, Gutenkunst loves his Georgia uh, Georgia prospects. That's a guy, too. A guy, I, I don't know. I'm concerned. Where do you feel like the Packers are going to go with one of their first-round picks? Maybe they'll have a second. We can discuss it later. Well, remember, they love to run a lot of two tight end sets. They like to protect the quarterback. Aaron Rodgers has had that opportunity with – playing in those two tight end sets and seeing lighter secondaries and using play action off of that. Well, if he assumed to be gone and now you're going to groom Jordan love, 
you want to protect him. You want to set him up with heavy personnel. And to do that right now, Josiah DeGuara and who else, right? I, I don't even know the other guys on the depth chart. So, and that's saying something. I usually know about everybody. And so they need a tight end to pull off a two tight end offense. And no, he may not be a difference maker day one, may not be for a while, but to pull off the offensive system to give him the security he needs, I think they almost have to make that investment, Joe. Yeah, uh, and you'll hear the cliche too, right? We did this with Andrew Luck and Kobe Fleener. Every young quarterback, what do they need? Oh, they need that reliable tight end over the middle to catch it, even though that doesn't happen anymore. Like Dalton Schultz is an anomaly. We talked about that. That doesn't, we don't do that anymore with the tight ends, but yeah, that's true. You know, every young quarterback needs a good one. If it fits their system, I understand that. You could right. also do whatever the equivalent of Mercedes Lewis is, you know, a, a longtime veteran uh, to accomplish the same goal because the tight end position has realistically not been a big weapon for that offense. They, they fill a need, but from literally production standpoint, it's it's been uh, mundane and limited. So a first round pick makes me concerned in that regard. I was surprised to see, Jim, that you didn't have wide receiver listed very high among the Packers' obvious draft needs. And my question to you was, is it more that you just don't think they're going to take one or that you really believe there's going to be a development from Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs where that's not as relevant of a discussion point? I mean, they didn't invest enough draft capital in receiver. Watson, a second round pick. Dubs fourth or fifth? Fourth, remember, yep. Fourth. And, but both of them showed very good ability. Obviously, Christian Watson showed game-changing ability at times. And Romeo Dobbs was hurt a little bit, and it took him some development time. There was going to be a growing curve with him, but he showed enough that I think they have to believe. They have to see what they've got in these two guys. And they have so many other needs right now. It's almost like, all right, we think we had somewhat to good hits on those players. We got to roll them out there and see what we've got. They can invest I still have them as a fourth need, and I think they should throw a dart or two at receiver. I just don't think they need to spend a premium pick on one because they have to believe that Watson is their guy right now. Yeah, and I think um, there was a lot of positive movement with Dobbs too. And you think about Jordan Love uh, and really his practice schedule, he's got to work pretty closely with both those guys because Aaron Rodgers just wasn't do doing practice for really the last two years, but certainly this last year with those rookie receivers. So there should be a little bit um, of relationship with that. I, I would I would personally love a, a Smith and Jigba to go to the Packers, even though um, you wouldn't assume slot receiver per se is one. I, I just want talented wide receivers on the field, uh, and that matters more to me than a rookie tight end, especially if you could say Darnell Washington could fall to the second round or, or somebody like that. But there are a number of needs that the Packers have besides pass catchers. And, and I think safety is one of them, certainly um, edge rusher, especially if you think Rashawn Gary won't be ready for week one. It kind of seems like the Packers are – projecting that's going to be the case they're, they're dangerously missing it they lost Jerron Reed and Dean Lowry some front seven guys too like there's there's a significant need up front that the Packers probably will address with that first round pick if history has any any say you know when you mentioned Rashawn Gary even if he comes back healthy if you right. get a bookend you know if you I mean realistically remember when they had Zadarius Smith going well Preston Smith going well things were great Preston Smith's tailed off a bit um unfortunately just kind of the way things are but yeah they could get even if Gary's healthy, like I said, to get another presence, that would be something very good for them. That defensive line you mentioned earlier, they need help because this has been a team, and I know it's a passing league, but you got to be able to do a little something against the run. The run defense could be so bad at times that teams could just bludgeon them there, drain clock on them, make things difficult. I, I do think at some point you've got to have a good enough run defense. You can't be the Chargers. can't be the Packers. You've got to do a little something. So I do think shoring up that line, not just for pass rush purposes, but to at least be decent against the run, you have to do something there. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Another uh, historical part for the Packers is that they are fine trading their first round picks, right? Uh, and, and certainly trading down into the second round. We've seen that at times too. More more the Ted Thompson era uh, than the Brian Gutekunst, but similarly, you know, points. You look at people behind the Packers. You have the Commanders at 16, Steelers at 17, Lions at 18. That was their second first round pick. I, I wouldn't be surprised if a team was like, oh, I want to jump up and get X receiver, maybe literally the X receiver, Quinton Johnston, um, ahead of the Lions or ahead of the Steelers or ahead of the Commanders or or an edge rusher, literally needs that the Packers would have, and, and the Packers would be happy to collect a first-round pick and be more comfortable later on in the first round addressing some of those needs. Because if you look at it, other than pass rusher, 
Maybe you get the, the Paris Johnson, the offensive tackle that would fall to them at that point. But safety, you're not taking one at this high point. Uh, you I, you shouldn't be taking a tight end at this high of a level either. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if they also trade down, which will be uh, an ire for a lot of Packer fans, myself included. I, I just wouldn't be surprised if that if that is and uh, is the end result for what happens in the Packers' first round plays. So um, let's talk about the Colts here. Whereas we have no idea what's happening with the second overall pick, it seems the Colts are dead set on getting a quarterback, whether it's at four, where they currently are picking, or higher up remains to be seen. It, it's almost uncomfortable because we know Bryce Young more than likely going number one. I don't recall a time where a team that picks high but not the highest has as obvious of a need, and so many teams are using that in the media or doing the smoke screens or or truly worried about the Colts to to make them kind of out their decision or out their play. It's it's almost uncomfortable to see every single team being like, hey, Colts, you know, uh, you might need to trade up number two because uh, we're going to go get your guy. Otherwise, like, I, I, we see the Titans do that. We've seen a number of other teams kind of play with that notion. I know Jim Ursay kind of put the feet to the fire for uh, Chris Ballard and the rest of that scouting department for the Colts. Do you feel like they seriously do go quarterback uh, with number four or an early first, or do they wait and make that – popular Hendon Hooker play that seems to be kind of going around uh, if they choose to, to to wait on the quarterback position. You know, I know they lost their last seven games of the year, but this isn't the like a talent-deprived roster. They have enough. Mm. And so are they going to be in the position anytime in the near future to get this high of a pick to compete for a quarterback? This is a team that can be picking 10th to 15th for the foreseeable future, and that's not where you want to be. That's quarterback right. purgatory. So I think Picking at four, the ammunition, like you said, to trade up a couple spots. It doesn't cost the world to move up a spot or two or to hold firm at four and say, we're going to go with who's there. Regardless, they have to go quarterback here. It's their window of opportunity. And, uh, you know, with their team, the crossroads is interesting because all of a sudden, last year, Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly, they fell off significantly as offensive linemen. It, and that typically doesn't happen. They're not old. You don't see offensive linemen who aren't, you know, past their age fall off. So the organization has to have made a decision. Are these guys bouncing back this year? Or is this our reality? Because if these two are bouncing back, this team's in pretty good shape if they do. If they don't, obviously we have last year and, you know, but they still need a quarterback. The problem with Matt Ryan was they thought the line would be great. They promised right. him a good running game. They promised him protection and play action. And then Kelly and Nelson didn't cash the check. Braden Smith too. I mean, like he's almost as uh, at fault as any of them um, in terms of battle line play as well too. Right, but we expected elite play, right, from Kelly and Nelson. That was the thing. We were expecting like this, like top shelf play. So you're mm -hmm. right. No, no question at all. I do think they were actually happy with Bernard Raymond, who they spent a draft pick yeah. in. He actually played pretty well. So he's a player that could be on the rise. But how, especially like I said, so Braidsmith for sure, but how Nelson and Kelly do that's gonna be pivotal so but the Matt Ryan thing he never had a chance so if they're worried going with the mobile guy Richardson we know he has accuracy issues we know there's a lot of red flags but if their line's gonna be a problem a mobile quarterback could be the one way to take your dart and you know see what happens there yeah, the good thing about uh, quarterbacks today is I feel like everyone is is relatively mobile. Like Richardson's an, an elite level athlete to no end, and I'm not trying to disparage that, but it's not like Will Levis is Peyton Manning of uh, the end of his tenure or anything like that, and and neither is Stroud too. Like as as much as people don't want to credit Stroud's athleticism or or knock it, saying that he didn't run enough, which is such a weird thing to hear about college quarterbacks. It's always the inverse, but oh, Stroud didn't run enough, and I don't know if he can. Uh, if he really wants to run, that, that's okay, right? We have this complaint about Justin Fields running too much, and yet Stroud uh, is not running enough. Anyway, like most quarterbacks now in today's day and age, especially first-round caliber guys, are athletic enough to do what you're concerned uh, with if the offense line does deteriorate once more. But I think there's reason to believe that there's a lot of coaching staff changes that uh, 
talent wins out. I, I just keep defaulting back to that, that I think there's a lot of really talented guys and Braden Smith is being paid like he is on the level of Quentin Nelson, and Ryan Kelly. They sure hope that he's going to be a part of that equation too. And Bernard Raymond um, doing enough as a rookie. I think that there's, there's not concerns defensively. I think that's probably where the Colts end up dictating most of their day two selections, thinking impact guys, the secondary or from a pass rush or even interior perspective, they invest a lot. Um, in that draft class two years ago now, where they had uh, Deo, I always say his last name wrong, um, in the second round, but also the pass rush that fell a little bit further on that's been good enough. I still think they can have enough bodies. You think about DeForest Buckner in the middle. You want enough rotational pieces to affect things and hopefully cover for the secondary not looking as good as they possibly could with the bodies they have. You know, when you mentioned DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart, they're interior linemen, and they are game changers inside there. But really, they are complementary players as great Mm -hmm. as they are because what they do is they allow linebackers to do their job. They are so good, they force that defenses to shade extra help inside. So if they got a decent edge rusher – now, last year we saw – Oh, man, the guy who went to the New York Giants helped me out here. So he had a good season. He benefited from that inside pressure yeah. from Buckner and Grover Stewart. So they could draft edge help, and it doesn't have to be where they're going to draft to. It doesn't have to be an elite player because he's going to have help. It's not going to be, oh, man, we got to double the edge because the middle, you can't leave it unattended. So they do need to invest in that edge. That needs some help. Now at cornerback, too, well, let's stick in the front seven. Linebackers, EJ Speech was really good against the run, and it's been forever since Darius, whatever his name is now. Yeah, Leonard, Shaquille, Shaquille, Shaquille Leonard. Leonard yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, he's Injuries have just taken it. I don't think there's he's coming back to the level he played. So their linebacker unit is kind of a mess right now. And again, Okereke is gone. So they need to address that as well. They need help. This is the, this is the team that needs a lot of help defensively. Yeah, you could probably take um, a middle linebacker or you know one of those guys uh, like Okereke that you're referring to with the Giants uh, in 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 the second round. I think that's fine. You're not like early second round is not that big of a deal. You mentioned it. They have Shaquille Leonard, but then just about nobody else. EJ Spiel, uh, Speed. So you're Franklin. I had it was Kawiti Pay that I was trying to get to, right, uh, right, and they right. were drafted. But I forgot they signed uh, Samson Ebukan, the pass rusher for the 49ers, in a couple of stints around the league. But that, I mean, maybe they've addressed that more or less, and that's not a second round pick, but a third round kind of uh, spot as well too. I would imagine the secondary is an issue. They traded away Stephon Gilmore. Yep. Um, you don't have a lot of difference makers at safety, but you have a lot of good guys. Like uh, I, I don't know, it's. I'll be really curious to see what the day two is, uh, especially because all the drama is kind of out of it with the Colts with their first round selection, likely being a quarterback. It's where they choose to take quarterback. And maybe that's part of the answer is that if you give up a second round pick this year or a third round pick this year, they can't address linebacker or they can't address the secondary. That really seems to be prevailing needs for them. Let's move over to the chiefs. Um, And I don't know if I can recall this year, more of a historian than I am though, Jim, how many times has a starting quarterback worked with multiple draft eligible prospects the week of the draft and it almost i mean reports are all indicating that the chiefs are like hey which one of these guys do you like like who who is this receiver that <laughs> we should maybe or maybe not take um i i saw on a few different tweets like is this legal can can, can a quarterback just oh hey i'm, I'm happy to be here with uh zay flowers or quentin johnson let's just throw the ball around man you know just playing casual there's nothing <laughs> nothing wrong with what we're doing here it just feels very weird but it's so funny because of how um any day mahomes is with the chiefs and the front office the coaching staff like he essentially is an extension of that and you're damn well sure i would want to know what patrick mahomes want if i'm looking for a receiver so it makes sense they had zay flowers and quentin johnston uh work with patrick mahomes over the past couple of days knowing that information it seems like with as late of a first round pick as they do have receiver is going to be the way they go do you feel like that makes sense from the chief's perspective so they do clearly need receiver help but here's the problem most of the players in the first round are slot type guys Mm. they don't want a slot guy uh, and Quentin Johnston is probably going to be gone. I expect he'd be gone. I'd be, it'd be foolish if he wasn't gone. So I think the types of players they could settle on could be in the end of that second round and pick 63. Jaden Reed, 
I love A.T. Perry. I'm going to talk about him all the time. Love yeah, him. yeah. Guy, eight, you know, those two come to mind as players that have some size. They can also have some ability to get downfield. The offense needs to have a little more verticality, but not your Marquez Valdez-Scantling silly right. situational deep threat. They need somebody who can play in many capacities within the route tree, but also be able to get downfield. That's what they need to move this offense to the next level. And if they spend a second round pick, first of all, contract is very affordable. I believe four years they have the player for, and it's the type of player you're thinking is not going to be begging for money in a couple of years because it's not like your high first round guys that are already thinking second contract. So right. this could be a lot of things. And it's funny you talk about Mahomes and my little sidebar was if Patrick Mahomes wants to play catch with you and you're a human being, you're playing catch with Patrick oh, yeah. Mahomes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I had mentioned the, the Packers a little bit earlier and saying that historically they, they will trade out of the spot if they don't feel like the value makes sense. Not that the Commanders, Steelers, or Lions are landing spots for wide receiver. Like if Quentin Johnston was to take a fall and the Packers weren't taking that 15, um, it wouldn't be guaranteed, especially after the Steelers traded for uh, Allen Robinson. Like they, none of those teams realistically are looking receiver, but it's more like if you're the Chiefs trading up with the Packers at 15 to make sure you get him and that nobody else makes the trade up or gets beat out. Or if you're like an AFC team, like the Steelers, Hey, we're going to have to play against Mahomes and X stud receiver for 10 years. I don't want that. I'll trade him to the Vikings or whatever else. I, I just wouldn't be shocked. Like the, the chiefs, obviously Super Bowl winning team. They were a really good team. I think different iterations of the chiefs have been better in past years, but that's not to say that their approach um, couldn't just be, we're going to commit to trading up for a receiver. We, we are in a good spot right now. Cap wise, it makes sense. Let's go get Quentin Johnston. If that's who Mahomes like, let's go get Safe Flowers. I know he's a slot guy, and I agree with you that they they wouldn't typically want to add to that. I think they like Sky Moore, and I think Sky Moore is a really good player. But Sky Moore is not going to be the difference maker between the Chiefs being as good offensively as they were last year. I think it could be a guy that they go get. So that was really interesting that the Mahomes was evidently just randomly playing catch with a few of these uh, draft eligible guys. Let's stick in the AFC West to talk about the Raiders here. So you listed, and I thought this was really interesting, quarterback as a top need for the Raiders, despite them signing Jimmy Garoppolo. So at pick seven, I think that's where the Raiders are now. Do you feel like they're a realistic candidate to trade up to number two or number three with the Cardinals, if that, for that matter, to get a Levis or Richardson or Stroud? Or is it more that uh, it's a need, but they don't need to do it, if that makes sense? And that is exactly well stated and correct. They don't, they're this year, they're not desperate for a quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo is a get you by quarterback, but where is this team going? Right, they're not going anywhere. Defensively, they're meh. Offensively, obviously, they have some weapons, but Darren Waller's gone, and they're besides Devontae Adams and who knows? Josh Jacobs had the career year that came out of nowhere in a contract yeah. year. Imagine that. Who knows how it ends up the year after that? Seeing that go south many times before, so they should strongly be thinking if they can get a quarterback, if they like one, it's something they really do need to consider because they're not competing for a Super Bowl. They might compete for a playoff spot, but there is no upward mobility in that conference. So, yes, they do have to be thinking quarterback. Will they? That's to be determined. But if I was in that organization, yes, quarterback would be a priority if it made sense. Yeah, it's funny. Um, we talked about the Texans earlier, and it's like, why wouldn't you take a, a quarterback? You have to make a dart throw at some point. The Raiders have so many needs. Not that the Texans don't, but the Raiders, the Raiders really do have a lot of needs. And I and I don't even think they're anywhere close to the playoffs. There's the Cardinals, the Texans, and the Rams uh, already doing the the stink for Caleb Williams sweepstakes. But then the Raiders are that next tier of teams. That I think you could maybe say the Bears actually kind of fall into that category too, depending on how their draft looks. Um, I I think if you're realistic about things, you're bringing in Garoppolo to make sure the offense doesn't look awful but it's not going to be a difference maker and you could still have a younger guy. I just don't know if Will Levis or, or even a Richardson is, is that kind of player for what the Raiders are looking for. And they need so many other pieces that I would be shocked if they do go quarterback or make a, a significant trade up to get one. Maybe if one falls into that direction, what about Hendon hooker uh, early second round pick kind of where he's, he's more or less projected to go uh, unless teams really want that fifth year option and trade up in the first I kind of thought that was a really interesting landing spot for, for Hendon Hooker. 
And they certainly may consider that. I see him as a career uh, backup, high end, maybe a high that end. That still sounds like a Raider to me. Uh, doesn't he? <laughs> you are so right. So, yeah. So, I mean, somebody is going to make the selection of Hendon Hooker, and they're going to maybe think they have something to work with. But, man, 25 years old for a guy that might take a little time to develop. Anyway, your point is well made, and they certainly could do that. And um, it would be an option because they do have to address it. And like you said, there are so many other needs on the roster. I think that is the bigger reason why you try to trade up. And think about this. This is all narrative at this point. But they're in Las Vegas, flashy place. It's the Raiders. Wouldn't Anthony Richardson be a perfect guy to put? Jamarcus Russell only if you put (laughs) Jamarcus Russell in the lab, right? And said, hey, what if we made Jamarcus Russell just insane? Oh yeah, that's Anthony Richardson. I mean, like seriously, kind of right. That's that's it'd be fun. Big big arm, super athletic. Yeah, I. It's the sexy pick, and there is narrative with the. You have to be in Vegas. You have to have it. They they didn't get a whole lot of crowd turnout. It seems like they're kind of turning the Chargers in that sense, where it's a destination place. Doesn't mean it's the destination for the Raider fans. It it could be anybody uh, that's coming to watch those games. I I kind of agree with you um, a, a little bit, and. Not that this should make a difference, but the news that the the athletic A's are are going to be the Las Vegas A's, you know, another sports team. You already have uh, the hockey team as well doing well. I could see it. I, I could absolutely see it. Uh, and having Garoppolo does not change that narrative uh, one bit in my mind. So if they don't take a quarterback and they stay pat at number seven, I, I think that's the pick they have. What do you realistically see the Raiders investing in with that yep. premium of a pick? Cornerback. Absolutely a cornerback. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a slam dunk, actually. I think that it's like 85% that they go cornerback if they don't trade up for a quarterback because they really need help there. And they, they bring in Duke Shelley, who had that career year out of nowhere, <laughs> mostly a system fit in Minnesota. Nate Hobbs had some flashes, he but he wasn't good last year. It's just a really bad group. And again, a Raiders organization over, and I know that the, you know, people change in the office, but cornerback is a premium position and they have Max Crosby on the edge already and they actually have good tackle play. So we go through those, you know, fundamental positions and it's corner where they don't have that player and there would be options in the draft. Yeah, uh, plus 175 on DraftKings. You've done a lot of your uh, draft props already. That's what we diving into as well too. That one does feel like a, a, a slam dunk. If they stay at their first round pick, that makes sense with the guys that are projected in that range. Not that they can't or can go there just off of mock drafts. But yeah, I, I think that makes like one of those obvious need fits and draft capital. Uh, I completely see cornerback C B not quarterback going yes. for the Raiders at that spot. So stick in the AFC West once more. Let's talk about the chargers who actually were your, one of your top uh, draft props. We'll talk about that in a second. It's interesting to note for you that both the defensive line and and offensive line are top draft options for the Chargers. If the Chargers were to go offensive line again, we're talking like the next iteration of the Cowboys in that sense because they drafted Rashawn Slater, hit. They drafted Zion Johnson. Sure seems like a hit as well, too, at guard last year. If you're to have three first-round picks in the past four or five years at offensive line, I think that's a tremendous idea to build around Justin Herbert, not Zeke, to build around Justin Herbert, um, I, I like that a lot and, and where they're picking maybe doesn't make sense, but you could maybe you, you talk yourself to that as well, too. You know, and yes, those are big needs. You mentioned we got to protect Justin Herbert. The defensive line is a train wreck. The run defense is so mm-hmm. bad that even teams that don't want to run the ball will run it because it's free candy. It's free five yards, eight yards, whatever. Take your free yardage. And so they can't afford to live in that world. We saw down the stretch that was a problem for them. Now they were able to make the playoffs, but that was a real Achilles heel. But that said, and I do list on my posting wide receiver as a lesser need, but I would be spending that first round pick on a wide receiver. That's where I would go if I'm running the organization because Mike Williams, we know he's big. We think he's excess. He's a stretch Z receiver. That's what he is. He runs some routes, he has some success, but at his best, he's a downfield threat. If you lined him up as the Z, he would be a beast 
for defenses to deal with. If you put an X on the other side, Quentin Johnston, I keep bringing him up here. I'd love to see him end up there. He would be a fantastic compliment. They don't need a slot. They got a little time left in Keenan Allen, probably another year or two. Missed a lot of time last year with a hamstring. He's got to be close to the end. But right now, he when he's on the field, he is still amazing. And I think if you add that X receiver, receiver opens up Mike Williams. We already know Keenan Allen's there. This would be a great addition for Justin Herbert, especially with Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator who loved that little 5.6 average depth of pass going, him gone. So I think this would be an optimal scenario to give Herbert a chance to thrive on offense. Look, you and you and DraftKings agree. Uh, DraftKings has the receiver spot for the Chargers at plus one twenty-five, which is shocking to me because I, I I wouldn't have really guessed that would be a top need for them. Let me just throw a little bit of a curveball at you, Jim. Plus eight hundred, running back. That's right in the realm of Bijan Robinson, and we had the Austin Eckler speculation hasn't been resolved, hasn't really been discussed, kind of quiet on that front. I I mean, if you're making a difference offensively and you don't want to go offensive line, but you still want to build around Justin Herbert, there is no more of a can't-miss prospect than B. John Robinson running back. Whether you agree or not, that seems to be the prevailing theory. And if you were to fall a little bit further past the Falcons or some of these teams that are a little bit more run-oriented, I, I mean, B. John Robinson can do everything that you want Austin Eckler to do, and you wouldn't have to pay nearly as much as what Austin Eckler is asking to be paid. So at plus 800 for where the Chargers are picking the first round, I kind of like that spot. Uh, I like it more than receiver at plus 2025. There's no way they go tight end. I'd be really shocked. Uh, Gerald Everett had a pretty successful year last year. They love yes. Donald Parham, who they yes. recently back. Yes. There, there's no way they go tight end at, at first round. That's plus 260. Defensive end or edge at plus 275. But running back at plus 800. I don't know. I, that's that's right in the realm of Bijan Robinson range. Uh, they the Chargers historically right they took Melvin Gordon in the first round they are fine if they think that is a talented guy that can make a difference I wouldn't be shocked I'm just, I'm just I wouldn't be shocked at all if you it know, is Bijan Robinson some people are mocking tight end and I agree with you they're mocking them the Chargers and I agree with you they're happy enough with what they got yeah. from Everett and what they could have from Parham if he could stay healthy poor guy can't catch a that's a positive situation from a right. health standpoint, uh, but they, they got to be good enough there. But here's the thing. And I love that call on a running back, but I think they finally want to give Justin Herbert that chance to put the team completely on his shoulders. If you give him a receiver, he can do that. And think about how much time Mike Williams has missed, Keenan Allen's missed, right. and he's still putting up numbers. But if you give him another weapon, this could be a Justin Herbert-centric offense. If you invest that heavily in a running back, that's telling me that you, from a system standpoint, plan on making a heavy use of that running back. And I'm hopeful they want to go away from running back usage. They don't want to do what they did with Austin Eckler last mm. year. And they scored all the touchdowns. You don't want your offense running through a running back, unless his name is Marshall Falk, and he hasn't been around in, you know, forever. But um, so I love your point, and I could see it. I just want to see them make this Justin Herbert's offense. Yeah, I, I and they should. And I hope that the lack of Joe Lombardi allows that to be the case. Um, I just, if you're adding dynamite, offensive capabilities and you're making a splash draft multiple offensive line the past couple years they've been great not splashy not sexy best running back prospects since saquon barkley since zeke i don't know uh i would be i'd be really interested to see for for plus 800 i i like sure. those odds sure um especially with the austin eckler speculation as well too i mean jameer gibbs could do literally the same thing as eckler in that sense maybe not as effective but like if you're saying one for one replacement and you wouldn't have to give up a mid first round pick to do so more than likely I mean, yeah, I, I, I could say that too. Let's call it there, Jim. Um, I know we are kind of anxious to talk about the Vikings. That might be a little bit spoiler for the next couple of days. One of my favorite best bets. We're going to talk about best bets next podcast. I'll have an article out. Jim will have finished his uh, top drafts as we are seven days away from the NFL draft. That is one of three holidays for me. It's Christmas. 
my birthday, NFL Draft. I'm excited to be discussing that with you next Wednesday. We'll be on together uh, for the NFL Draft at por- uh, portions as well, too, next Thursday. It's going to be a lot of fun. I know for a lot of football fans, this is uh, one of the best times of the year, and I'm excited to kind of dive into that with all of you, the listening off uh, audience, too. So, Jim, uh, do you want to talk about that? Uh, can we Joe, why don't you tell everybody that? about draft night? We're gonna be. You're gonna be out with me on draft night. Why don't you tell everybody about that? Well, no, I actually you should, Jim, okay. because this so, is this is your show. We, we got all Thursday <laughs> dedicated to you. So on Thursday draft night, we are going to do the RotoWire live stream. It'll be on what you're watching right now. It'll also be on the YouTube feed. I'd like to meet you there. And what we're going to do is we're going to have live coverage of the draft. We'll talk about fantasy implications. Most importantly, obviously talk about every player who's drafted. I'll start out with Alan Soslowski, a little pre-draft. And then Joe, you're coming on. So I think, I think for the very first. Uh, Joe's coming on right. Picks, Joe, yeah. yeah. Joe's coming on right away. Anthony Servino of the FF Faceoff, who is now with RotoWire. He'll be in the second hour. Doug Orth from FF Today is going to be in the final hour. I don't have anybody for the third hour yet. Maybe I can coerce Joe to stick around to a little overtime. We'll see. Oh, how yeah. You know, I'm, that. it's great. I love doing that stuff. Well, I will be watching it uh, probably with popcorn. Like, literally, just well, let's get the well, first Joe, we're gonna, let's just do two hours then, Joe. Let's just pencil in for both hours. Down. Um, let's go. Let's go. Let's it. So, yeah, you want to join us for that on draft. We'll remind you that next week on the pod. But definitely um, join us. We're going to have fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it again. Obviously, seven days away from the NFL draft. There's lots of coverage, lots more coverage to come on RotoWire, uh, both on the betting side of things with all the prop bets available and also the fantasy angle. I'll have a day two article for all the relevant skill position guys. We have day three articles set to rounds four through seven with Jerry Donabinian writing that too. There's lots of coverage. I mean, I love it. I get excited about it. Hopefully you guys can tell because it's a great time to get into fantasy football, a great time for football fans alike. Maybe not Packer fans. Uh, hopefully no tight end of the first round after your lament about that. So, yeah, it's, it's, Jim's giving me the sweat inside. So, well, hopefully that doesn't occur. Yeah. So we'll talk again next week, Wednesday, with our draft props. Round out Jim's uh, draft needs for teams as well, too. So hopefully listen again next week. But let's get ready. It's NFL draft season. Thanks, everyone, for listening.